Good morning. Okay. Good morning. Um, let's talk about the Parsha. We have a very fascinating and powerful message that can teach us um, how to react and how to um, approach when someone is going through um, a challenge. Someone's going through a, um, a something that they that, they, that needs work. Um, very often we um, have challenges come up in our own life and we have many different ways that we can approach them. Sometimes we can jump on it, look at our options, pick the best option, do it and see where it goes. Sometimes we can give up and say it's too hard of a challenge for me to tackle and I gotta worry about the next one and let this one pass. And sometimes we, um, we get so emotional and so get caught up that we end up just crying about it and we don't know where to go. We become lost and confused. And that's with, with things that come to challenge us. And the same is when you see someone else going through a challenge. There's many different ways to respond. You see someone else going through a challenge, sometimes you initially go and say, how can I help? What is the way how I can be involved or I can help you? Sometimes you cry for them. Sometimes you pray for them. You say kapitotilim for them. So in the Parsha this week, we find something very interesting, which will shed a light on, on a very interesting perspective on how to deal with our own challenges and other people's challenges. Where um, Yosef finally breaks the news to his brothers of who he is. He says, I am not just the second in command, I am your brother. Right? And God sent me here. We'll discuss more about it in the few days we have um, left of the week. But what we find, a very interesting um, part, uh, uh, detail in the story, is where Yosef meets his brother Binyamin. Now he met him already, and Yosef was longing to meet his brother, which is, uh, which is why he, he made his brothers bring him, and he finally is reunited with his brother, Binyamin. And when they finally realize who he is, it says him and Binyamin fell on each other's necks on each other's shoulders. It says, they fell on each other's necks. They fell on each other's shoulders, on each other's necks. The neck is interesting. We'll, maybe we'll discuss it today. We'll see if we have time. And they cried. They cried on each other's necks. Why did they cry? Well, simply, they cried because they didn't see each other for 17 years. This is Yosef's real brother from his mother, from the same mother, not just from the same father, who was his full brother. And they were, they, they were both the youngest, right? They were both um, unique, being the son of Rachel. And he felt a very, uh, a very close to his brother, um, Binyamin. And they finally met. So they were crying over each other's shoulders. The commentaries explain, what was it exactly that they were crying about? Um, Yosef and Binyamin were crying about two completely different things. It says that Yosef was crying over Binyamin's shoulder because he was able to see with the Ruach HaKadosh that Binyamin, when, they, when the Jewish people entered the land of Israel, right, it would be divided among, amongst each of the Shvatim. There would be a portion of the land of Israel which would be given to each Shevet. And Binyamin's portion, it would fall in his portion, the area of the Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash would fall and be in Binyamin's portion. 
So, Binyamin, Yosef is crying on Binyamin's shoulders. He saw in Ruach HaKadosh that it would be in the portion of Binyamin which will be the base of Mikdash, which will be destroyed. Can we see further when it was rebuilt? In Good question. Well, this is before the base of Mikdash was even built and destroyed. He was crying over the fact that it would be the first one to be destroyed. You can't ignore the first one being destroyed. Well, have foresight all that again. Well, have foresight. He's crying is on his part that it's going to be destroyed. Why can't you look at it? It's going to be killed. That's what he just says. And simply, he was he was crying over the fact that. You don't cry when a baby's born. He's going to live now. You couldn't see when it's going to be rebuilt. Like Rabbi Akiva, when Rabbi Akiva was laughing with the fox, and he was laughing when he was destroyed. Why the neck? The neck would we'll see if you have time to discuss. We'll discuss you. I'm gonna pull it up. But, but yes. Rabbi Akiva did the opposite. Yes. He saw the positive. You just moved here this weekend. Last night. Last night. Okay. And. The, uh, um, Benjamin cried over Yosef's shoulders because he saw that in Yosef's portion will be the Mishkan Shiloi, right? That before the base of Mikdash, there was the Mishkan Shiloi, which were for a few hundred years, that they had um, set up in Shiloi, which was fell into be in Yosef's portion, um, uh, Mishkan, where they brought Kabanis, etc., and that would also eventually be destroyed. So they each cried over each other's shoulders over what was going to be in their brother's portion, which will eventually be destroyed. Real empathy. Yes. Now, the obvious question is, um, each of them cried over each other's misery. Why didn't they cry over their own misery? He might not be told. Wait, wait, wait. I feel you can accept Yosef saw that the tomb was going to be destroyed. What did the brothers see? Yosef saw that in Binyamin's portion, there would be the portion, there's going to be the Mishkan Shiloh, which will also be destroyed. So each one cried over the other person's misery. Why didn't they cry over their own misery? Why are they celebrating the wins? Okay. Why do we celebrate the wins? Why? Trying to cash in to be able to answer. Okay. Um, Beautiful. So everyone's going here along the right track, and it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a pretty simple answer, but very powerful. A very powerful message. The message that is teaching us, the answer that is teaching us, is that when there's, we're going through an issue. And someone or someone else is going through an issue. And there is something you can do about it. You see a way how you can be involved in helping out, helping fix your own issue, helping if there's a, you see that there's a gzera, so to speak. You see with the Ruch HaKadosh, if they were able to see, and you're able to, to, to do extra, um, to learn extra, do extra mitzvah, do something extra, do an action, do something in an active way to be able to avoid it that it shouldn't happen, because here they were seeing in the future. To be able to avoid a, um, a misery from happening. Or if you're going through a hard time, to be able to actually fix it, then you are not allowed to cry. 
to waste time and to start crying would only be holding you back from doing what you're able to do to fix the issue. So if you're, if someone... Th- that's a good question. That's not, first of all, something you can't fix. The person passed away. Why, why we cry and spill milk? Why not focus on right now and go forward? It's a mitzvah to... Yeah. Yes, it's not the topic for right now, but... Yeah. I agree, but I'm saying it's counter... I agree. You need it. It's important. It's not just mourning. It's special for the neshama, it's for the family. It's, it's all... It's part of the... Yes. And here we see Yosef crying. There was still a crying going on. The question is, when is the right time to cry and when is the wrong time to cry? Okay. So, yes, there's a time to cry and a time to act. So if it's something that you're able to, that you see, is in your portion, is in your mission in life, Yosef saw in his own portion there would be a destruction. So it's his job to now see to it that he can do whatever he can that it shouldn't happen. It's his job to act on it and do whatever he can that he should be able to avoid the problem and to put himself fully into it and, and it's look for a way, look for a solution, look for something he can do to help, to help a situation. That is when it's, your own, it's in your own hands and you have control over it and it's given to you, God puts you as the person in charge to do whatever you can to, to avoid it or to help it or to fix it. When you're in that position, it would be a, a sin to cry. To go and cry over it means you're ignoring the fact that you are the one that has the ability to change it. But if it's someone else's issue that's not in your power, you could perhaps support the person, you could perhaps encourage them, but if you see that there's nothing else for you to do and it's completely in that person's hands and it's in their mission and they have to, they're the only person that could act on it, then the most you could do now is cry for them. Share in their misery, share in their, in their, in their, what's going, what they're going through in their life by empathizing with them. And by showing, that's how you show your support. Because you can't act on it. And this teaches something so powerful. This is with regards to you and someone else. But in general in life, it's a powerful perspective. That sometimes we get caught up in what's going on and we begin crying. And we say, what is there to do? I'm hopeless. And, and we really need to pay attention into each situation and see to it that we're doing everything we can, everything in our control, to help change and to help transform and to help make the situation better. If we see that there is nothing else to do, then the, all you can do left is daven, say kapitotilin, cry and show Hashem that, that I, I did everything I can and I, I, but this can't, this can't continue this can't be this, it can't be this way and just cry out to Hashem that's the most you could do but if there is something you actually could do in an active way and if it's your job to look to and to see to that something changes you can't sit there and cry you need to stand up and see what can I do what does the crying accomplish? the crying accomplishes because there's, there's nothing else you could do so you can show your, your support, at least to the other person, or cry out to God, whichever it may be. It may either be showing support the to the person. That the other person doesn't feel like they're alone. They feel, you, they feel it's encouraging. They feel their pain. They feel that someone, that you're, you're in it with them. them. And you're, you're there. You and also cry, you're crying out to God. What did you say? Why did they cry that the basement was going to be destroyed? Well, not built. That, that you answered? So first of all, I think the answer to that is very simple. Because this is before... This is before it happened. 
So they were trying to change the history that was going to be. Yeah, they wanted to change. Of course, they want. They don't want it to even be destroyed. The first one. The first one could have been Mashiach, right? It could have continued forever. So they were trying to change change the trajectory or the the future, the way it was, so to speak, destined to be. Um, so that's that. That would be the answer to that. Now, why the neck? Why the neck? Why does the neck allude to the base of Mikdash? So here's a very interesting idea. Why would the neck allude to the base of Mikdash? So here's the thought. That it's actually it's brought down that neck the neck is correlated to the base of Middash? Yeah, right here. It says they cried on each other's neck. First of the neck alludes to the base of Middash. Can't be the head where it's placed when they're crying? Uh, why not? No, it says specifically in the Pasuk, the word he uses they cried on the neck. So he called specifically the neck. So now, yeah, why not the head? Because the neck is blue. So here's the interesting thought where um, it's actually brought down to the base of Middash, it was in the highest of places. Right? It was on the top of the mountain. And it was in the high, one of the highest, highest points in the world. Um, but interestingly, it's brought down, the Beis Middash wasn't in the highest. There was a place called um, Ein Etam, which was higher than the Beis Middash. Yes. And so you're using that, just very briefly, um, Ein Etam. Ein Etam was a place, it's a place. It was higher. You can, you can probably explain this exactly what and exactly where. Yeah, but it's in the Gemara. Yeah. The, the, the water was the, the water came. So high. Uh, the rain was so high. In the army. Uh, uh, in yeah. So the Bismillah was the highest, but not the highest. It was a, it was high, but not the highest. And first of all, that's very in a cute way. That's why it's the neck, because the head is the highest part of the body, and the neck is the high. It's high, high, but not the highest. It's right below the head. But more getting more into the message of it, um, the the Beis Hamikdash, its purpose is not just to be the holiest place in the world. Its purpose is not just to be the most spiritual and loftiest and the highest holiness in the world. Its purpose is that its holiness should impact the world, should have an effect on the world. So, in the body, so to speak, the head is the, is the brain. You have intellectuals, you could have someone that studies and understands uh, um, everything right to do in life, but do they actually do it? Not all the time. The famous story with, with Aristotle, they say, that he um, write the big ph- philosopher and uh, morality and everything, and his students once caught him doing something that uh, wasn't appropriate and, uh, at home. And he said, and he, the, I don't know if the story is true, but this is the way it goes. He says that when I'm, in, um, when I'm teaching you in class, there I'm the professor or whatever, they say Aristotle. When I'm home, I'm my home Aristotle. <laughs> yeah, meaning, uh, meaning that yes, you can, you can be the deepest thinker and you can have the deepest ideas to share, but not necessarily will it impact your life because the brain is cold and disconnected. And the brain, you could have a person that's very brainy, very intellectual, and they're, they're, but they're not exci- exciting, they don't have emotion, they're not attached. And the brain, can, the head can be completely disconnected from the rest of the body. And you could have someone that, that understands everything that's going on, they have no empathy, right? The, the feelings are disconnected. Um, the neck is that connection. The neck begins the connection between the brain and the rest of the body, between the head and the body. So the Beis Amikdash, its purpose is not to remain separated, not to remain in the head separated from the rest of the world. It's to be, serve as the neck, to be the connector, and to actually connect the holiest and highest of places, the Vav, to the rest of the world. Beautiful, to be the channel, to, be, to, to connect. So that's, that's why the neck. That's why the neck. The brain and the body. It's a big Kabbalah, so this goes into this a lot. 
That's what the Beis Hamikdash. Of course, Kabbalah is the essence of Torah. It's not a new Kabbalah. They knew Torah. They saw, the, of course, they saw everything in Torah. Turkish. Yeah, but it wasn't Islam today. It was a spiritual. Uh, Turkish.